Two years ago, at six months pregnant, we lost our baby girl to an undetected external infection. And what has followed took us down a path we could never have predicted. You know, I was used to getting pregnant quickly and unassisted. The infertility journey came as a surprise. No one talked to me about getting my ovarian reserve tested. You know, no one told me that just because I got pregnant easily with my first and my second, it it didn't mean that I could expect the same with my third or fourth for that matter. I thought IUIs were a for sure thing. I thought IVF was a one month process and that that's just the physical part. All these assumptions were incorrect, but why would I know any better? I'm Emily Geds, and this is the Day One Podcast, a show dedicated to the unspoken side of fertility. Here I share my story and bring together moms, dads, parents-to-be, doctors, specialists, and healers to help break stigmas, normalize the conversation, let's bring education to the forefront, and most importantly, build a community so the journey doesn't feel so lonely. This episode is powered by Twig Fertility, Toronto's newest fertility clinic. Twig has reimagined every aspect of the clinical experience to be more thoughtful, more personal, and more comfortable for you. With a brand new state-of-the-art on-site embryology lab designed to achieve the best possible outcomes, Twig's full suite clinic provides a more integrated approach to your care at every stage of your journey. To learn more or book your fertility consult, go to www.twigfertility.com. Hi. Hello. <laughs> I When I have friends on, it's so funny because it's like, it just, the hope is that, you know, people listening, it's like a fly on the wall of conversations mm-hmm. that we've had in the past. Yeah. Um, and so it's kind of fun fun having you on to see if we can capture our behind the scenes <laughs> conversations yeah I hope so um I feel like I'm a natural person to talk to but who knows this you totally sound. are well it's really you are somebody where um I always say like the silver linings in all of this is you get to meet some pretty fucking cool people and um 100%. that has been you and you and I are in you know Catherine's um program mindset Mm -hmm. program together yeah where I always find amazing women from and we've just kind of connected instantly over probably like the most heartbreaking time in our lives yeah yeah and it, it actually really speaks to like my experience as well I think because my experience was quite unusual in that it happened pretty much as soon as I landed in this country and that's kind of how I did make friends in a very weird way. Um, a lot of the people, you know, even Kieran, who was mentioning earlier, I met her th- through the same way. And so it's really been a big part of my um, journey. And I'm sure we'll touch on this later, but um, connecting people within this, in, within this way and then like using that as the silver lining of what my life is here now. So, um, yeah. So let's backtrack and mm-hmm. say, you know, just so we can the elephant in the room, which, <laughs> which is that we've both experienced late term loss. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that is what we want to kind of speak about and just have a conversation around like two women that have carried babies that we have not taken home. And I know mm-hmm. that, um, in and around this time was Phoenix's seventh 
would have been his seventh birthday. Seventh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, just a couple weeks ago. So um, I think let's use this conversation to honor him. I would love that. I know it's super emotional and um, we can go as slowly as you, as you want. So we're talking Phoenix of all the things and mm-hmm. in all the feelings. So take us back. You, you, when did you move here? Seven um, years ago, I guess. Seven years ago, the 1st of February. And then I gave birth to him on the 24th of March. Um, so it was pretty intense <laughs> catalyst into the country. And oddly, um, something I don't talk about a ton is that we, we'd had a miscarriage uh, probably six months before that. So that was kind of one of the catalysts to coming here in the first place. We were like, well, we're not having a kid. Life isn't what we thought it was going to be. Um, let's do everything that you can't do when you have a kid. Um, and one of those was moving here. I just so happened to get pregnant in the meantime. And so the plan was never to come here and be pregnant. It was almost like have this two year like sabbatical from like English life and then go home, maybe have a baby in the process, but like no real solid plan. So I came here like pretty pregnant, like I looked pregnant under my like huge coat. And um, yeah, like I joined all the baby groups, like anything you could join. I was like the, the least pregnant person there being like, like, I'm here make to make friends. friends. Yeah. yeah, I'm here to make friends. And everyone else is like, I'm 30 weeks pregnant. And I was like, I'm, I don't know, 18 or whatever. So I was like doing all that stuff super prematurely because I didn't really know how else I was gonna make friends. I had no plan to get a job. I was dedicating my life to like being a mum and um, like taking smoothies every day. It was just like, that was my full-time job, keep this baby healthy. Um, And there was loads of like kind of weird things along the way because I'm in a new country. I don't know how the healthcare system works. Turns out we didn't have OHIP because you have to have um, been here for three months before you qualify as an English citizen. And so, you know, it was a bit more complicated than just go book an appointment with a doctor. Um, OBs aren't really a thing at home. Everyone has a midwife, so I didn't know that either. So I was kind of like ringing places, trying to get a midwife, couldn't, got an OB. And everything was just a bit haphazard, like I was just randomly doing stuff. Um, And I had to get referred. Anyway, I eventually got an appointment by this time. It's my 20-week scan. And it's on Bay Street somewhere. I was like... I'm going into an apartment block to have a scan. Like, what is happening? So everything was, like, super alien, super weird. And so I didn't really question anything because I was like, well, this is just how they do it in Canada. Right. <laughs> and, so yeah, scary. like, I, that's just what I put it down to. Um, I had my 20-week scan and it was, like, extraordinarily long, like, to the point where I was, like, the first one in, the last one out. Like, my husband's waiting out there. They didn't let him come in to the end. And, you know, I know all these warning signs now. But at the time, I was just like, oh, maybe they're taking a while. They were asking me, like, super weird questions. I didn't really have proper notes from the UK. And then I just kind of sensed something wasn't quite right. But they um, – and they had a, um, a student doing my scan, so that didn't really help either. Um, my husband comes in and they're like, oh, it's a boy. So we go home, we're like picking names. And they said, you come back tomorrow to see the consultant, which again, I thought was weird. I was like, I can't we do it all in one go. Because at home, your midwife does all of this, the whole thing, like just like a one-stop shop, <laughs> as far as I'm aware, at least anyway. 
And so I come back the next day and, you know, we've been all excited. We're, we're like picking names out, all that kind of thing. And I get there and had like the most, um, what's the word? Um, I guess unfriendly for a better, want of a better situation where I just walked in um, after being kept waiting for two hours outside because I guess they just didn't know what to tell me. And in hindsight, they couldn't define at the time what was wrong. So whoever was doing the like uh, the analysis, uh, the sonographer or whoever was not sending the report and there was back and forth. So I'm sat outside for two hours. By this time, I've like imagined every worst case scenario. I go in and he just hands me a piece of paper and said, there's something wrong with the skeleton and like literally sent me on my way. What? So, wait, hold on. I know. Wait, wait a second. I'm, I'm so like flabbergasted at mm-hmm. this entire thing. I mean, it's <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. The fact that you went for your anatomy scan, waited all that time. They didn't tell you anything was going on. No. Wow. So I went a whole day thinking like, Oh, I'm so excited because I've made yeah. friends by I've made friends by this point, most of which who are pregnant or just had a kid. Um, so I'm like, I can't wait to go tell them next week that I'm having um, a boy. Um, anyway, I he gives me this piece of paper. I obviously I'm like, well, what you know? I was just like, uh, 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 uh. and he was like, yeah, there's something wrong with the skeleton, and like said no more. And I was like, well, what do I do? And he was like, I guess you go to the hospital. And that is, I didn't ask any questions. I didn't do anything. I came out shaking with this piece of paper. I'm standing on Bay Street. I don't even know where Bay Street is at the time. I could have been just about anywhere. <laughs> and um, I just, it was one of my most vivid memories. I was like looking for like a yellow taxi. Cause again, I don't even think I had like an Uber account or anything. So I'm like looking for a taxi, trying to hail one down, like crying my eyes out, calling my husband, just saying, you've got to come meet me. Um, I went to St. Mike's. I just turned up there because that's what I was told to do. I'm bawling my eyes out. My husband's like, what is happening? By which point I'd Googled everything I could find on the paperwork he gave me. And like a whole bunch of different stuff comes up because I'm just. What doctor is this? (laughs) I know. I I can't remember his name. Um, But I mean, I would never go back to him. (laughs) (laughs) I would never go. Obviously. Um, Definitely get recommendations. I'm in the reception area of Michael Garron Hospital, like the maternity bit, I think. Um, With my husband, I'm bawling. I have this piece of paper and I'm like, there's something wrong with the skeleton of the baby. And they're like, who are you? (laughs) I'm and they send me a home they kind of tried to settle me down they send me home and they're like we're gonna get someone to call you back and this was like a Monday I think oh no I'd had the scan on the Monday uh, the Tuesday this was the Wednesday and they said someone can see you on Friday and I was like Friday you are kidding me so uh, we pushed back and we pushed back and we basically had to wait till Friday in that in those 48 hours we spent our entire time googling every thing on the paper and what it could possibly mean and the things at the time we could deduce from it was like really extreme dwarfism which you know most people think of dwarfism and think there has to be someone hereditary in our family my husband's adopted so that didn't really help because we was like maybe there is somebody with dwarfism somewhere in your family tree and we, we don't know um so anyway, we was going through like all the motions of what it could be and like how it, any of it makes sense. And then we eventually see a doctor on the Friday 
who spent most of the time telling us that the baby could just be small. By the way, um, my son had no measurements for any of his limbs, like zero. He was in the bottom, it was under 1%, you know, like everything's on the scale, right? Like he was under 1% on measurements for every limb. Um, so I was like, I'm pretty sure that's like not, it's got to be something else. It can't be dwarfism because yeah. they can't even find a measurement for the limbs. So anyway, we go back on the Friday. Um, this guy's like, oh, your kid just could just be small. And they give us this book, which I mean, the whole thing now, when I look back and I say it in all these pieces, I'm like, it was an it's insane experience. They gave us a book called The Time to, Your Time to Decide. Um, and it was all um, stories of people from different religions who'd had to make the decision to terminate their baby. And it was just their experiences in their own words. But most of the stories read like, I made this decision um, not to keep my baby. My family disowned me. <laughs> or um, I had the baby. It was a terrible experience. My family disowned me. The thing that I got from it was, oh my God, I hadn't ever considered religion. I'm not religious, I'm not actively religious. Um, and I'd never considered that as a thing. And now that's all I could think about. So it turns out that they have a huge, um, or this particular doctor had a huge incentive in us wanting to just keep the baby and just see what happens. As where when we finally saw a genetic specialist, again, by this point, we've gone a whole week in this like weird, weird world with this like loads of weird information and no real answers. We see a genetic medicine specialist and he was like, I'm a fetal medicine specialist. He was like, I'm not a specialist in any of the things that it could be. Um, but he highly, he highly um, suggested that it was um, osteogenesis imperfecta type two, which he was right about. And there is, um, it's basically brittle bone disease, but um, type two is the only type where there's no living people on the planet who have it. So it's a really, really extreme kind. And most babies pass away either in utero at some point, because in fact, there's a Grey's Anatomy. Um, I don't watch Grey's Anatomy. My sister's a, a mega do. fan. I'm like, tell me <laughs> so, it. It's 44 on season. Probably. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so it actually... Um, this was like seven years ago I don't think I think it was like fairly recent to when that had happened my sister was like oh my god and this happened and this happened and like and it was very very similar so essentially your baby's bones are breaking inside as they move which obviously is heartbreaking as a mother to hear and when he was born he did have lots of broken bones so he did have limbs it was just that they were breaking so much that they weren't they they couldn't move and so there was no no measurement but anyway um so we we kind of took his advice this doctor is incredible um I mean I'm sure there's some people who've been in this experience and have heard of Dr Chitiat but he is just the guy who's built for the job well finally I feel like thank god you got to someone <laughs> that was like <laughs> honestly it was like finally like our savior so he was like I'm going to give you my phone number like when you come to the hospital like I'm going to meet you there and like you know he'd give me a cuddle he was just like <sighs> just the best um anyway he's like this is what it probably is this is you know, you've still got to make your own decision. But he was like, when you do, you're in safe hands with us. And so that was a real relief. 
he gave us lots of information but a lot of it was overwhelming because it was essentially at the time we kept being told over and over that it was genetic and the chances of it happening again were really high um and everything was just a cost because at this point we don't have O-hips. Every time we went to the hospital, we had to, literally to go into Mount Sinai, I had to get $600 in cash out for anyone to see us. Wow. And then after that, every appointment started in the finance department where they're just giving you like costs and telling you what happens if you need a DNC and how much that costs and telling you what happens if, you know, you get an infection and whatever um and with between that and the you know finding out if we could have healthy children again because I didn't feel like I could go through that knowingly a second time um it was just racking up and it was like oh you can take our mortgage and pay this off for the rest of your lives and it was like what anyway we kind of put the testing aside um turns out you can't have it done very often and when I say it done I mean give birth but they call it a termination still um I had a really hard time with that because I really felt like I had no choice and obviously we all know there's a huge stigma over terminations no matter how you dress it up or justify it like there's just you know places where that's not allowed period and I think it took me about a year to even tell most people except my close family that like I'd had to make that decision or I'd constantly keep justifying it but I feel um well I feel confident in my decision but I feel comfortable saying it now I guess is what I'm trying to say so anyway because it doesn't happen very often and um Mount Sinai is one of the only places that does it there was a wait list and you also at the time if you get to 25 weeks the decision becomes goes out of your hands and it goes to an ethics committee so it was up against the wire so I think someone had cancelled and we'd got a spot but by this point we've gone three weeks so I've been walking around pregnant for three weeks making friends and (laughs) hanging out with my like pregnant friends who were an amazing support but like you know I'd show up somewhere and beat someone would not know and, and I didn't have people's phone numbers it was so so awkward so I'd you know bump into someone and they'd be like oh my god is it a boy or a girl and in my head I'm like it's a dead boy (laughs) that's like all I could like bring myself to like say and it was just awful it was like this horrible place of purgatory um that was also lonely because I had no family like my husband was like in and out of work you know going through his own um trauma I suppose um anyway we get to the day and Dr Chitiat, the lovely guy is there to meet us and escorts me everywhere and he's like you're gonna have a baby one day and it's all gonna be fine and like this is just a small piece of your journey I mean that guy is doing some serious mindset work with people without realizing but didn't know that at the time <laughs> um but he was yeah he was incredible so he he takes us down to this ward and everywhere's got like a butterfly on the door which I later found out is that like you know people who are giving birth to a um a baby who's gonna pass and um but you're on the labor ward so that's pretty shit period <laughs> um because you're amongst other really heavily pregnant women who are like trying to bring their labor on um and I go into this room and they sort of force counseling on you which we kept saying oh we don't want it we don't want it but I'm really glad we did and me and my husband had this plan that um because I was terrified of seeing a a dead baby or anything dead animal person anything like the idea of that at the time was like the most terrifying thing I could think of 
was to see anything that was dead and let alone it be my own child um just couldn't get my head around it so uh a, a big part of both my husband and I was like forget about this like just move on like don't you know just block it out block everything out but because he was past 20 weeks you have to name him you have to have a funeral there's certain things you have to do legally um that we couldn't bypass so it was really great in in allowing us to connect with him and not maybe do to make totally different choices but um anyway all this to say we had a plan I was going to give birth we were going to like compose ourselves ask a bunch of questions and then have him brought back to us to hold but um I don't know what drugs they gave me <laughs> I was pretty high and um yeah I don't really remember being that conscious through the labor other than like you know having had um three other children since there was as unpleasant as other parts of births I've had and definitely like a full birth which I didn't really I don't think people really understood I think people just knew I was pregnant and then I wasn't and had no real idea of what happened in the middle and so yeah it was a real it, everything was just the legit birth I had my son after that Bodhi at Mount Sinai and it was very similar um, in in experience in some ways so anyway um, his he was small enough that like I could push him out in just one push and I remember it just being a bit of a shock because it just kind of happened in one go and the nurse literally screamed like like a proper scream and she was like, oh, my God, he's alive. And so obviously my husband and I was like, oh, my God, what does that mean? So we're both like bawling it. The nurse is then bawling because I think she was upset that she made us upset. So everyone's bawling and I'm like, well, now what? And um, I, um, I'm sure it happened the way it did because like I needed that to happen. But um We'd never been told he could, born, was, could be born alive. We had no idea that that was ever possible. So she said, I said, well, what happens? And she said, well, if you don't want to hold him, we will take him and we'll hold him until he passes away. We'll make sure that someone's with him. I asked all the questions like, you know, is he in pain? Um, all of these kind of things. And she was like, no, he's going to be, he's just going to peacefully pass away. And I was like, okay so I was like well someone's gonna hold him I want it to be me they wrapped him in the blanket and we kind of passed him between myself and my husband and my mum my mum had come to support us but she wasn't at the hospital so we called her and she came so we're all in the hospital and it's still one of my most precious memories <laughs> sorry now it's a bit I'll probably cry um, but it's funny because I was so 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 scared of death but actually getting to bear witness to that part was like the most amazing part, which I know is a weird thing for maybe other people to hear to say, to say watching my son pass away was amazing. Um, and I guess it's just something that's hard to connect to in that um, you, you can't really explain it unless you've been through certain things. But um, it was just quite euphoric. Like of all the births I've had four, um, his birthing experience was the most euphoric. And with him being alive and getting that experience, I didn't think I would get. 
I just remember sitting there and thinking oh my god like no one can take this away from me I'm like his mum no matter what like right now I'm getting to like mother my child who I know is going to pass away and I just get that a little bit I felt like a lot uh, <laughs> so that was was and is still super precious um I mean obviously you can look back and be like oh I wish I took more photos I wish I did that I wish I did this but that memory is like really etched on me um and really really vivid even though you know time passes and things like that but you know I'm sure as you know leaving the hospital the next day is like brutal although it wasn't the next day I did actually have a DNC and some other super random complications but um all that to say like the moment that you leave is just like we had a lovely naming ceremony we had a um I don't know as I said I'm, we're not really religious but we had some sort of ceremony that's amazing and I think <clears throat> she was a chaplain or something did for us and all of that was super like powerful and <clears throat> enjoyable in a very sad way but yeah then you leave the hospital and you're like oh my god now what the hell am I doing <laughs> like why am I here in this country what just happened like those six weeks or whatever just felt like a whirlwind um my milk came in they said that probably wouldn't happen it did <clears throat> so I just felt like babyless and like everything felt pointless because I was like I came here to have a baby I don't have a job I don't have any friends who aren't doing what I'm supposed to be doing um and I just felt like I got the booby prize of everything like this sucks <laughs> um so yeah that was kind of the experience which is so tied into like my transition into being here that it's um yeah it's been a huge part of my life here I suppose I I don't think that I'm I can follow <laughs> any of that other than I can relate to a lot of the experiences that you had um and I do think it's really beautiful that you were able to like send him off you know yeah. and um it's like a really special closure that yeah. I think, you know, you, not everybody in that situation gets. Um, and now yeah. you can say that seven years later, you know, you, oh, can, you, can, you, you get that, but I, in the moment, the shock of it, I don't even like that. Um, oh no, I, I definitely felt that in the moment. Like, I think even when I left the hospital, I was like, imagine if we hadn't seen him. Yeah. Like, imagine if we chose a different scenario imagine if we didn't give them a name imagine and I know some people do that so this isn't to say that they did the wrong thing but I felt so scared of something that it was the fear was driving my decisions yes. rather than really what I wanted deep down and then the other serendipitous part about all of that was that we had all these crazy bills right like if you want this test you can't have it because it costs like 20 grand and that one's this much and anyway we had all these like options that we couldn't even think about and he was then born Canadian so he paid for it all wow mm. I just got goosebumps um <laughs> you yeah, know so I I can really really <clears throat> relate to the fear of the delivery mm -hmm. um and 
like I remember going like our situation was so was was very different than yours in the sense that like because my water broke out of like it was just thin air like I I literally was fine like I was in pain like you know it's so funny you look back and year after year kind of as years go by you start to pick apart the situation and you start to see kind of clues mm. um I think more and more because you're not as emotional to it. So you're at least for me, that's what's happened. And, um, I feel like there were clues. I just wasn't paying attention to them, but, um, I resonate with that for sure. Yeah. And like, I feel, um, I was so scared for the delivery. So Ryder was a C-section, um, and Ruby was breach. And when you're breach at um, that size, they won't do a C-section, um, for you. So Mm -hmm. you have to deliver it vaginally. I had to deliver her vaginally, but because she's so small, um, so sorry. So because she's so small, um, you can deliver a breech baby vaginally, but, um, but you can't push Right. So because you can't, if you push the head, will get like, won't come out. Right. So for us, we, I literally had to lay there and wait for her to come out, which was like nauseating for me. And Mm. I was so like, I wanted to get it done fast. Like I was like, just get her out. Do you know what I mean? I'm like, can you take her out? Like, I don't, I don't want to go through this. Just and they're like, we're really sorry. Like you can't even push, like we can't even have that experience for you. Um, wow. and I just, that part of it was really difficult. And, um, they don't tell you like, it's a full delivery. Like you, oh yeah, you dilate to 10 centimeters, you go through all of your contractions, like the epidurals weren't working. And I was like, don't even worry. I remember being like, just don't even worry about an epidural. Like she's so small, like it's not going to hurt. And then why they wouldn't say in that moment, no, this is a full price, like full delivery, um, is beyond from beyond. Um, so they didn't give me an epidural. And then I was like in so much pain and I couldn't push. It was like, I just, there's something that, um, there's some miss to me. There's a miss in the system around managing women and partners that are in the midst of trauma, like you are in the middle of trauma, then you're expecting to make, expected to make these big decisions. And then you're expected to be, to know things like, why would I know that? I don't, I'm not, I don't know. And you're like managing your own stuff. All like all I remember is, yeah. And, and we didn't deliver in like a special ward. We delivered when everyone around us was giving baby, um, was, uh, delivering like healthy babies. So we just heard all these babies anyways, all I'm saying is like, I can, it's, it is uh, everybody you talk to that's gone through something like this, their story is just so uh, like, there's no (laughs) one story that's better than the other story. It's just a fucking, just a horrible, horrible thing that nobody should have to go through. And I, I felt alone and I lived in Toronto my whole life. So I can't even that level for you is just, I, you're so amazing and so strong. And I'm, you know, it's, 
as, as you've kind of teased out, like you have three children now. Mm-hmm. So, so Phoenix has, was this massive like moment in time. Yeah. He was like a transformation really of me as a human being and my life as I knew it. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. It's like before so Phoenix levels. and after Phoenix. That's how I feel. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I mean, yeah, it was, yeah, everything's before and after and it's very, very obvious because yes. I also moved here. So it's not like, when's that photo from? It's like, oh, it was in England or it was here. Yeah. <laughs> and England is before Phoenix and here is after Phoenix. Like it's a, such a, it's such a line in the sand. Yeah. Um, I, I feel, I mean, I, I think anyone that goes through this, it, it, because it changes your DNA, like it changes your DNA. It changes who you are as a person. And I think that every year I get further away, I actually keep changing from that experience. I couldn't agree more. I feel like I I have like a mini transformation every like March. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Or like, I was actually thinking about it today, you know, I think maybe it came up on our, on our call with Catherine, but um, about like how April is like this new, new time, this new month, we're like transitioning seasons and and it feels like a way bigger thing to to happen in, in Canada or Toronto versus the UK where it's just always a bit gray. Um, so yeah I really I really feel that on a like a deep soul level and I really feel what you said about intuition as well like I've really been able to think more a lot about think more about how I am intuitively over the years and like looking back when I look at things I'm like oh of course like this happened and that happened like there was so many signs but I wasn't I was like wanting to overlook at it because I was so like no I'm here I'm having a baby nothing else is happening do not do not um ignore 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 um and so yeah it's it was it was actually a blessing and a curse being in being here because you know you go through this and you're like immediately like I want my mum where is she and she was here for bits of it but not not the whole thing um and um a lot of people would say, oh, you're not, you're just going to come home now. And I was like, that feels just as bad as staying here and not having what I want. But um, it, it created some space for me to like digest things with not having like best friends, pregnancy announcements rammed down my throat. Facebook was a bit different than anyway. It actually allowed me, I, I used social media like unintentionally then and way more intentionally now to express myself because I wasn't going to go to a party and see anyone I wasn't gonna you know all my friends were turning 30 and there was no connection to me other than internet now um so it was a really great way to be like hey guys this is what happened and explain it in my own words and use it as a cathartic experience and um yeah like benefit from that distance um but obviously the flip side of that is that you're incredibly lonely in a new city and I had no filter whatsoever. <laughs> so if someone could be in the grocery store or it could be in a mum group or whatever, you know, someone would ask me something really simple, like how many kids do you have or whatever? And I'd be like, well, I don't have any kids, but actually now you ask this happened and this happened and this happened. And I'd give them like a 45 minute rundown of like what I just told you. And they'd back and that, up slowly. And that person's just like, oh my god yeah or sometimes I just narrow it down to like what 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 are you doing right now I was like oh well about two weeks ago I had a baby and it died so not a great deal (laughs) (laughs) and I'd be like super blunt and they'd be like oh wow her 
sarcasm's like pretty intense and I was like no no I'm being serious yeah I I I do think though it's like I um for first year after Ruby I was like my dad passed away two weeks to the day Mm. we lost Ruby and then my like I feel like that for me like it molded into one. Like I think about my dad, I think about Ruby, like I, I, she doesn't have her own moment kind of. Yeah. Um, and, and have you ever so, tried to claim it back though? Cause I feel se- separate to your experience that we didn't have a funeral and I always felt a bit like, Oh, but I would have done that if I was at home and mm. if life had been different. Um, we had a, a, we did have a funeral. She is buried somewhere. It was just me and Ev. Like I didn't want anyone at all. Like I very much was like, I don't really want to share this with like anyone, which I'm sure made mm-hmm. it difficult for my support system. But um, not that I like. I wanted them to be around, but not for like some of those bigger things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, what I was kind of saying is. I feel now more than I did within the first year that she's with me like all the time. Mm -hmm. Like I feel Ruby's purpose. Um, like my whole life has shifted since her like career and my, my, the way I look at life, like so much has evolved from her. Mm -hmm. And although she wasn't meant to ever be Earthside, like her presence has is like so constant in my life now. And I used to kind of want to push the experience away. I still do. And that's therapy and work I'm doing on my, on, on the side. But if I really think about it, that's what I mean. Like before Phoenix and after Phoenix, it's like, Mm -hmm. it's like, she has made such an imprint Mm -hmm. in, in who I've become that I feel like, well, her purpose, that was always her purpose. Yeah. I feel exactly the same. Which um, is really hard, really beautiful and really sad. Yeah. <laughs> it's bittersweet, isn't it? Um, and for me, my my eldest, Bodie, couldn't be here. They can't, those two people can't coexist. And obviously his name is Phoenix, which means to rise from the ashes. And Bodie had the same due day as him like a year later. So I went through all of the emotions for that first year. I know. And I didn't. I didn't, I was just like, how did you, how did you, how did you deal with, you got pregnant and like, what was that? It was um, actually way more difficult because I was obviously like afterwards, the very initial bit afterwards, I was like, I don't want to be pregnant again. I just want that baby back. Give me that baby back. Like nothing, nothing. I didn't want anything but him back. That's the only thing I can describe. And then I went through like, you know, lots of different processes, but I was like, okay, we're just going to do it again. Like, thinking like I'm sure many people do in parts of their journey like I'll create a replacement and then I'll feel better (laughs) and then I went we we went through a lot of testing that again was paid for because he had his own OHIP but it took an incredibly long time because it was something that was only just starting to be tested for at sick kids for the first time so we had to wait six months or however many months it was in the end and you know I'm just like counting down to that day and as soon as that left I got this incredible rash all over my body so I was just like really mentally unwell but not addressing it and it was like manifesting in my body so anyway all this to say that my husband was like you don't look like someone who just start trying for a baby (laughs) and I was like what do you mean I'm fine and he was like you sure and I was like okay no you're right and so we did actually just 
tried for one month to kind of realize this like I bought all the kits and I was a lunatic and I cried every day that I got the wrong outcome even though I was supposed to because I wasn't supposed to be ovulating then it just was it was just too much I couldn't do it and my husband said like this just isn't good like let's wait till after Christmas I've always had a really unusual cycle so everything's always been difficult to track and anyway um it turns out I was already pregnant um we just hadn't found out and so when we got back from a trip to New York um oh yeah I found out I was pregnant and then I looked at the due day and I was like holy fuck that's the same <laughs> um they did end up shifting about a week apart but it was still like wow and obviously you know it was like well maybe he's literally rising for him the ashes would always like kind of joke about stuff like humor was our way to get through mm-hmm. things as a couple um and yes, yeah, so I went to all of my scans pretty much on the same day again. That was how did you manage that? How was the 20 week scan? Like I, it was awful. Everything yeah. was awful. And I had loads of similar experiences. Where I was like the last person in there. And like they I waited longer for tests. So Bodhi actually ended up being um, he had a disappearing twin, um, which means that it can just be um, what do they call it? Like a cyst or something, or it can be a twin. And you'll never know because by the time you get to your 12-week scan, um, there's something there, but they can't detect it for 100%. So anyway, all this to say you can't have any genetic testing. And that was my plan to have all the testing. And they're like, you don't qualify because anything we find in the DNA could be the disappearing twin. We was just like, well, now we just have to, We it, it was good. And so like, you know, the control freak in me obviously was like, what the hell? And then the other side of me was like, I have to just let go because I can't find anything out. I've just got to have blind faith that this is going to work. So it was difficult, but it was kind of comforting. I really like, I don't know, meaning. I like to make meaning from things. So I like to think that Bodhi and Phoenix are kind of connected. And so I chose to believe that and just had to power through. Um, it wasn't a very nice uh period in time but you know I had him and we had with my second son it was just like routine we think we're going to have a second baby let's just see if that works and everything just happened as it should and I had a home birth so I was like hallelujah um who knew that like that could actually work out um obviously there's some rocky bits in between um like there always is on anyone's journey And then my daughter was a complete surprise. Like I really struggled um, having cub, my second, or second slash third, however you want to look at it. Um, And I had like a bit of like anxiety and postpartum depression and all this stuff. And by the time I'd kind of worked out what it was, um, we was trying to figure out what was happening with my periods. And it turned out I was actually three months pregnant. So I had two, I have had basically four kids in five years. Oh um, my God. So it's Bodie Cub and Briar Rose. So yeah, Cub is a bit out there. I know. <laughs> oh my I God. Love, I, I feel it. like it's not like there's no not ones. now anyway. Yeah. Nothing. Like, my friend's nephew's box. Like, I feel like it's not even a yeah, thing Wolf was another one that I liked. But yeah, anyway, he, he suits his name. He literally came out with hair this long and looks like oh a wild animal. So, um, I don't know. I'm very much like kids do take on a bit of their yes. meaning and things like that, or at least that's in my um, description. But what was hard about that was that it was like, be careful what you wish for, right? Like 
I was like, just give me one healthy child and I'll never moan again. And then all of a sudden I had three and my daughter was born in January 2020. So then we had the pandemic and I had planned for 2020 to be the year where I finally said yes to all the help. I had all my family scheduled to come out for like the whole year. And then that didn't happen. So I had three under three and a half at home again on my own feeling lonely again um but again it was just like the making of a new chapter of my life it was just really hard to um it was it was really hard to deal with but I had this whole like undertone of like you know how lucky you are which I do still know how lucky I am um but it still felt so hard it was like the extreme of like not having fertility issues but also having gone through issues it was very mentally confusing but I don't know it's it's all come good and it's changed my life dramatically and you know any day where I'm struggling I'm like remember that day where you like we were sat in doctor's offices and them saying over and over like you can maybe we could maybe you can maybe have one and they're like you know giving you all of the options for like how not to have children yourself or how you know getting a surrogate with a different egg and like all these other options and my husband's adopted so we talked about that a lot um um, yeah I never thought this would be my reality so it's never lost on me it's just been an incredibly unusual time (laughs) it's it's tricky you know I have a lot of friends that have given birth out of like years of IVF, you know, and, Mm -hmm. um, or like late loss and you're still in like parenting young, a young baby or young children is, is, is really, really, really hard. And you feel guilty for having to complain because you understand how grateful you are for it. And it's, you know, even when you get pregnant after IVF stuff, there's like pregnancy can be really hard, but then you don't want to complain. And then you're keeping things in. And we just Mm -hmm. don't live in a society where you can feel all of those feelings and it's okay. It's like, you. we live in a society where like you are, you can't be happy for someone and upset. It's like, pick one. Yeah. It's so true. You can't be feeling guilty and, um, or feeling, sorry, you can't be feeling run down and exhausted and maybe wishing you had a couple of days to yourself and grateful. Like, yeah, it's not either either, is it? It's just, no. we're kind of designed to think that way. And I think, yeah, I don't know. I think that I'm so lucky that the, that the time wasn't the part that um, was difficult for me. Um but it was like the lack of time was the part that was difficult for me. Um, I think it was just like all an internal struggle, right? Because I've also had friends on who, who've struggled to have children or could only have one or whatever, like the whole spectrum of I've been surrounded by. And it was like, I just thought I was going to have one and that was going to be fine. And here I am with three thinking that maybe it was one too many. Um, but because also, it wasn't in my choice, but yeah, I still yeah. feel like I got, exactly what I would plan if that's a thing you yeah know? you got like a zip file of kids <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, that is the best description I've ever had yeah, someone was like 
<laughs> here's the folder <laughs> yeah we're going to condense this down but um i also think like you have not probably had time to even process anything because you're going back to back to back like you know you're in a bit of a survival mode with all of it too so mm-hmm. maybe it's in a couple of years when you know briar rose can you know get herself dressed and you can have a second, you might have, you're probably gonna have to do all of the work that you hadn't had time to do. If you know, you only, if you had Bodhi for a couple of years and able to do all of that, it's just been, yeah, it's filed to you. Um, (laughs) what I was going to say though, is it's, it, it sounds like you're getting sort of like now able to breathe, like able to sort of come up for air for a second and what you are doing in your time breathing for a hot second (laughs) to honor women who have experienced loss is unbelievable. And I really want to take a moment um, to talk about that uh, because it's coming up and I think it's really important to, to share about it. Yeah, I think, so I think the biggest thing on my journey that has connected everything I've done post then like um, people who know me well know that I had like um, a t-shirt business for a while that supported women postpartum. Um, I had a podcast, but only talking about birth stories um, or different types of birth stories. And then now I've sort of transitioned from supporting women um, like in a mum group, if you like, it was called Care Club to now like coaching women in a similar space. And the thing that connects them always for me is the like storytelling the connection you know like meeting great people like yourself and having that sort of you know if you never told me exactly all the details there's that sort of like knowing of like I know pieces of what that feels like even if my experience is totally different um and all of those things have saved me and it's so much my experience because there's no people I know here that don't know my story somehow Mm So I wanted to kind of pay that forward. Um, I've been running a lot of women's circles as part of my coaching business, but um, I'm offering this event, which is at the end of the month on the 24th of April. It's a Sunday, 7 p.m. to 8.30. It's at um, my local yoga studio. It's Beaches Hot Yoga, but it's not going to be, it's not going to be hot, hot. It's just going to be like a really nice, welcoming, warm space um where we're hosting this event is called holding circle I'm hosting it with my colleague and amazing friend Dr Tanya Kotler she's a um psychologist and maternal mental health specialist so you know she's really the like professional support that I'm going to be there with um to lead women through like a therapeutic experience so not only to connect with other women in the same same or similar scenarios um but also to enjoy a therapeutic experience so we'll be meditating I'm going to do some Reiki um yeah we're going to lead everybody through an experience and some rituals and give them the opportunity to journal um and share some of what is coming up with them with the group um and the idea is to connect everyone for people to experience relaxation from it and to kind of pay forward what I've been experiencing from other people um so yeah it's called holding circle holding circle where can people sign up they can sign up by finding it on my page or dr cotler's page so i'm at franny and co and she is um at dr cotler 
yes, do, just Dr. Cutler, and it's in either of our bios. So um, I will be sharing a lot about it by the time this airs. You probably won't be able to not find it. <laughs> You'll have well, trouble finding anything else. I am, I am definitely going to go, although I feel a ton of resistance. And if there's anyone listening that has had a late loss, is it for late loss? No, it's for anything. Okay. So okay. anybody who feels connected to the experience of loss, whether it's pregnancy, okay. infant, child okay. loss. Um, yeah, the, it's a very welcoming. Well, inclusive space. space. So miscarriages, exactly. that type yes, of thing. Exactly. Okay. Anything. So anything. So um, a lot of people listening will probably be your target audience um, for this. And I will say to you, and this is the mindset coaching that we get all the time, which <laughs> yep. is if you're feeling resistance and like, I don't want to go, it probably means you should go. And I will say when I saw it come up, I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, it's great. I'll promote it, but I'm not going to go. Um, <laughs> like, oh, yeah. I just, I'm not, um, I resist the going inward about Ruby. Mm-hmm. So the idea that I have to go to an event to like tap into her gives, I like to choose yeah well to 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 think about your choice then like we're trying to meet people where we're at so this is a really good opportunity to explain this is that everything in the evening is choice so it might be like here's some journaling or here's something to read or here sit here and relax in the company of people who know what you're going through there's no one size fits all there's no you should be doing this in the experience you know obviously I have an aim for people to enjoy it and to seek a therapeutic experience to enjoy the Reiki and such like um and such but really for me it's the connection it's the holding space for people the being seen feeling seen whatever that looks like to the person who's coming wherever they're at on their journey they don't have to be seven years out they don't have to be doesn't have to have happened two weeks ago it's really if they feel called to it in some way and we will meet everybody where they are versus saying you have to do all this stuff. Yeah. 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 I hear you. I just, I feel like even that I'm like, Oh, I don't know why. Cause I never, (laughs) cause I just never have done it before. Like, to be Mm. honest, you know, I've just never, but I know I need to. And to your Mm. point, like, I know I will be getting something out of it. Um, when I leave and, and it'll probably be nothing as if I expect to. Right. And that's the, and that's, what's just amazing. And I think it's like the first real in-person event around this. So Mm -hmm. there's a lot of people that have gone through loss behind closed doors with COVID that have had Mm -hmm. no community. Um, so this is like so beautiful. I'm, I'm putting myself out there. I want to do the work. I I want (laughs) to do those. I do. I, I want to, um, well, I really so- appreciate you putting yourself out there for this because it means it means a lot to me. And I think um, I, I think just having having it available for me was was what was important. Like if two people show up or if we sell out is it, that's not important to me. It was something that I didn't feel was that space was available yes. to me. And I kind of like pushed my way through and made some space. Um so I think the holding, the holding circle and the holding space is really what's important in it. And people will get what they get. And um, that'll be such an individual experience anyway. So everyone is welcome. Yeah, everyone is welcome. I think, I think uh, it's just me carving out this time mm-hmm. and you creating this event. So, so to your point, there's space for it because we're so busy mm-hmm. And, you know, it's so easy to put things and not 
just to your point, it's like either you, you can go as deep as you want or not at all and just meet people that get it. Um, I feel like that with the day one membership, it's like, it's like these people get it. You're, you enter into a membership. You don't even have to say anything. Yeah. Yeah. And you're still going to get so much from it. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, and I think that's what's so valuable about what you do. Obviously my journey was less fertility and more, I don't know. I don't know how to explain my journey other than what I have, but I really wanted something available to me like that to be able to like air stuff or just listen and be like, Oh, okay. Someone else has had a similar experience or I'm having those similar feelings. So I like, I think what you're doing is incredible and I want to say thank you, even though it's um, too late for my journey. Still, I think something I tell people about who are on it all the time. So thank you. I'm so happy it exists. Well, I feel like we're both, even though you're past it, you're never past it. You know, it Mm -hmm. lives and breathes. Like, look, you're you're creating an event for women. They're going through it seven years later. Like it will forever put you in that mission. And that, um, I just feel like these experiences open up our hearts in ways that, um, that it, we never thought you could. And you're, and again, like I, sometimes I'm like, Ruby was like a gift for me in that way. Like I'm a totally different mom and I look at my life different and I choose to look at her in that way which gives me like a lot of peace. Same. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's been up and down thinking about that, but, um, Oh, I mean, I, that is where... not, that's not something you get, <laughs> you can't just yeah, come, you don't to come out and say, what a gift. <laughs> that's yeah. like years. That's like years, yeah. years and a choice of a choice of a, um, of like a mindset, right? Like, yes, you, you um, have to, I, I think too, though, for me, before I saw it specifically as a gift, is that I, I decided to make meaning from things. And it was very easy for me because it was like, oh, my son has a, you know, a name with a meaning and I'd see it every, see his name everywhere. And then, you know, loads of other small things like that happened that keep coming back to me even now. But there was, then there's a shift, right, where you're like, I can either like be in this forever or I can like use it as like fuel to make me to to take into my next chapter or whatever whatever it is for the individual and people should take their time still um because I still get humbled every year where I'm like holy shit March is hard (laughs) I thought it was like just the last one would be the last hard one and you know it still it still comes for you in its own way so and you you want it to come for you Oh, for like, sure. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like I used to be scared of it and now I'm like, okay, bring kind of, I'm like, I want to go through it. You know, I want to still tap into it. Um, yeah. I'm going to ask you the question to close yes. off, which is, you know, what advice would you, and I'm, I like to tweak this slightly for different guests that come on, but um, what would be your advice to somebody who has just experienced a, a pregnancy loss? They're going into kind of day um, one. So be gentle with yourself. Feel the feelings. I feel like I tried to bypass some of them and you don't get to. They come back some point. Um, I think there's a real value that if I could go back again, I would cry a bit more, like lie down and do nothing for a bit longer. Um, 
take the help and you know any form of support whatever way it's showing up um you know still within the boundaries of what you want I think that's a really important piece and then when you get into the next stage and if that looks like starting a family for you if that's your decision just not listening to anything anyone wants to predetermine nobody has a crystal ball like even for us with all these like statistics of like the, all these things that aren't possible I went and had three kids so quickly and everyone kept telling me that that was impossible and so I didn't actually pay attention to it at the time but I look back now and think I could really have taken that as like solid evidence and that could have shaped a whole nother experience and I'm I'm grateful that I didn't but it's really difficult when you're in a vulnerable position you know to take on other people's energy to take on other people's opinions to take on other people's like thought patterns or um you know professionals who you put all your trust in what they say as being like the gospel truth and the like 100% fact like I know it's so easy on this journey to get caught up with facts even when you're being told like you have a one in four or whatever chance like I think we was told we had like a three in four chance of it happening again and then when we finally got test results back they said there's as much chance of this happening to you again as there is to the next person you pass in the street so not only can they be completely wrong (laughs) after having told you something it doesn't determine your future and I think that's the biggest thing I would like people to know is that like you don't have to you don't have to take what people are saying as your reality or your truth um they can't predict the future any more than you can so kind of be careful who you listen to I suppose and what energy you take in especially when you're vulnerable most importantly when you're vulnerable this was unbelievable and so beautiful and I'm so grateful that you felt safe to share your story in such detail and I just I feel like we're both going to have a little bit of an emotional hangover after we hang up. <laughs> I know. Um, no, but it's, um, it's been an honor. Thank you. I really wanted to do something to um, be in it. I think, as you just said, and to like bring it on for having still, still here <laughs> seven years on and like enjoying my life. So um, yeah, I feel really grateful to have done this and to be able to honor him and to say his name. Um, So yeah, thank you. Thank you. My mission for day one is to help provide support and new perspectives for those in the midst of trying to build their family. Plus a bit of an educational kick to those supporting loved ones experiencing the struggle but I can't do it alone. I need help to spread the word. So if you have a few minutes to share, write a review or rate this podcast, that would be so appreciated. Let's all do our part to help shed light on the realities of fertility. Also want to learn more about our memberships? Direct message me for a one-on-one connect or check out dayonefertility.com slash membership.